Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Welcome to Horse Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And today we're going to be talking with actor Douglas Spain. He's acted in over 60 films and TV series, including the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, the films Permanent Midnight alongside Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, The Reading Room with James Earl Jones, and 12 Angry Men with Jack Lemmon and George C. Scott. He received critical praise and a 1998 Independent Spirit Award nomination for Best Debut Performance for the movie Star Maps, which Spencer and I watched a couple weeks ago, and we thought you were terrific, and we can see why you were nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. Wow, you checked it out. That's awesome. Thank you. We did. It was really good. We liked it. We liked it a lot, actually. Wow, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a film that I actually watched with a friend uh, a few nights ago as well. And now it's uh, not as edgy as it was 25 years ago <laughs> or so when it came out. You know, there, there's shows like Weeds and Shameless that are in the same tone. But back then, that that tone of film was very rare. I can see that. Yeah, I... Um... It had kind of like a, um, I'm a big fan of my own private Idaho. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen that, but it it, it definitely had like those same vibes. And I know that um, that film as well was very like controversial for its time. And they kind of came out around around the same time period. I believe so. Yes. But yeah, for anyone who is listening who has not seen Star Maps, I would recommend checking that out. Yeah, I think this generation has the stomach for it now. (laughs) And you've worked with many other amazing performers and artists, such as Kate Hudson, Albert Finney, Edward James Olmos, who is one of Mindy's personal favorites. He is, yes. (laughs) And now you have a new horror movie called The Ascent, which all three of us have watched. It was released back in January. And you have another film that just came out called Love on the Rise, which you're in with my friend Amanda Goodyear. What's up, Amanda? What's up, Amanda? Amanda! <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have the hots for Amanda in the film. Ooh. <laughs> she, yeah, her and I used to waitress together, and she, she has been on our show as well. Um, yeah, she's great. <laughs> she is. You'll have to tell us about your crush on her. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Since this podcast is mostly about horror movies, let's talk about your new film, The Ascent. So basically, you know, tell us a little bit about what the movie is about and what is your character like? Well, uh, my character is a priest uh, who works uh, side by side with Father Lambert, played by the talented Peter Jason. He had uh, performed an exorcism that placed him in jail because the uh, the child had died. Um, so I pick him up from jail, and uh, and then we go on to another case that we hear about, where uh, Rob Kaczynski uh, plays this sort of. Um, single father who's struggling to take care of his son and and his son is going through an illness that he's unaware of and doesn't know so um he calls us to come in and check or actually his babysitter 
calls us, played by Hannah Ward. She comes in and says that something weird's happening at the house. So it's similar into one of my all-time favorite horror films, which is The Exorcist, except for instead of a mother and daughter, it's a father and son. And so we come, we arrive to sort of analyze the son, and uh, Father Lambert's the one who decides that the boy is possessed and needs an exorcism. And then it goes from there. And there is a, a lot of really interesting creature feature uh, moments because that's one of the big uh, aspects of the film that the director was aiming for, you know, sort of a exorcist meets creature feature kind of film. So it's exciting. It was. We, like I said, all three of us watched it. Yeah. And, and we all enjoyed it. And was this the first horror movie that you've made? Not necessarily. I did uh, play another priest in another horror film. Um, it was a long time ago. But this one was made really well and uh, and was exciting to, to play because it was more of an exorcism. The other one, I was just a priest in a neighborhood, no... Uh, no exorcism, just a lot of craziness. So <laughs> being in my own exorcist type of film was exciting to me because I'm a big fan of The Exorcist and William Friedkin, whom I worked with in the film that you mentioned, 12 Angry Men. He directed that remake. So I was, I felt like this was a, a nice little, I get to work with William Friedkin and be in an exorcist type of film. Not that he directed this. This was directed by uh, Perry Teo. So this is a whole new generation, a whole new filmmaker <laughs> with his version of exorcisms. I, I want to talk more about The Ascent, but since you mentioned it, we were going to ask you what it was like to work with Friedkin since he is so iconic. Well, uh, as you had mentioned, there, were, there was like an all-star cast in uh, 12 Angry Men. It was like... 12 of the most talented uh, actors at the time and uh, still to this day. And uh, William Friedkin, like I said, I was a big fan of his. And when I showed up on set, I think it took me a moment. I had met him in sort of a, a run-through because they were rehearsing a lot. So I had met him briefly in there, you know, and I was excited just to, to meet Ozzie Davis and uh, James Gandolfini, Tony Danza, Jack Lemmon, Edward James Elmos was on this picture as well, William Peterson, and the beautiful, wonderful, talented Mary McDonald. She was the only oh. female in an almost uh, male cast, um, and she played the judge. She was just wonderful. It wasn't until I got on the set and we started to film the first few takes that uh, William Friedkin came over and gave me some direction. And at that moment in time, it was like, oh, shoot, I just got directed <laughs> by William Friedkin. And then I just froze. But it works in the film because I'm, I'm kind of lost you know, this sort of, uh, he wanted this sort of lost expression of not, not either guilty or not guilty kind of look. And that's kind of where I was in that <laughs> space because I was being directed by one of my favorite directors. So uh, it worked. But yeah, I was, I was dying inside. I, I was. And he was really good. He was very precise. So. Wow. 
and very complimentary. And also, I don't know if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan, but um, Mary McDonnell and Edward James almost were like the two leads. And that's one of my favorite shows. Correct. So, wow, that's amazing. You got to work with Madam yeah. President and the old man. Amazing. <laughs> yes, I did. She's wonderful. Um, we, uh, we actually spent some time in uh, Naples, Florida for a film festival there. I got to know her a little more, her and her family, and just a, just a truly wonderful person. And I think we even watched uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 together because we ended up in the movie theater at the same time and we sat together and we sort of held each other's hands and cried through that film <laughs> because it was kind of sad. Yeah, she's a she's wonderful. I'd love to work with her again, and I I did get to work with Edward uh, James Omos. He directed a um, film for HBO back in two thousand five called Walkout, uh, which was about the students who walked out in the sixties because of the injustice in the school system in East Los Angeles and all around the country. So yeah, I've been it, like I said, I've been very. I don't know if I said it, but I am very fortunate <laughs> to have worked with such talented uh, actors, directors, and stuff, which I think all led me here to The Ascent. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. I was just going to say, yeah, I um, I wanted to bring it back to The Ascent, actually. Um, I thought it was a surprisingly refreshing take on the overdone exorcism genre. Um, I agree. Particularly the discussions about like mental illness and the internal and external factors that can affect how we perceive reality. Correct. Um, first and foremost, what are your thoughts on demons, possessions, and exorcisms? And no judgments either way here. We're healthy skeptics. You know, I, I think the Joker tapped on that kind of uh, reality as well, you know, so it's it's something that's resonating in our time, uh, which it's been around, you know, sort of mental illness has been around for eons. And I think now the horror element is sort of touching on that as well. And this film uh, does pursue that avenue. I'm not sure, you know, but watching this film, it does sort of bring up those questions uh, in regards to is something a possession or is something a mel- mental illness or what what is it or 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 are, are they classified incorrectly, you know? Uh, so I think that's so uh, a big factor. I do believe that um, possession is possible, and I'll, I'll explain. There's an article. Uh, that I read a long time ago, uh, that alcohol, another, what's another name uh, for alcohol? Spirits. Spirits. And I read this article that was talking about how alcohol is a portal for spirits to enter your body. Uh, And I was uh, really intrigued by it because I think it's possible where you you get to a point that you're so vulnerable with uh you know with the consumption of alcohol that the more you drink the more you open that portal and there are times where people you know can behave differently or aren't themselves a lot of times and so that bears the question is possession possible and I think that for children and stuff who might have some kind of trauma or anything, they might be a lot more susceptible to possession. 
And there's a lot of energy and spirits around, you know, there, things happen. So I, I, I am a believer. Um, and that's why I don't drink as much. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get possessed. <laughs> so I don't get possessed because I think it is possible. I mean, there, you know, there's conversations about blackouts where you, you don't remember what you, you've done. And I think that might be the point in time where you are possessed, where there's some, something else has taken over your body because you're functioning, you're moving, but you don't, you're not recording what's happening. So it's possible. And this film uh, kind of tackles that question of, you know, does, does a person get possessed? And that's what Father Lambert and myself are, are there to investigate. Um, you know, now the child does have all the symptoms that require an exorcism based on Father Lambert's investigation. So we got to see. I'm, I'm trying very hard not to give too much of the film away <laughs> uh, because I hate spoilers. I don't want to spoil it too much, but it, it, it does raise that question of is uh, possession or demons, are they real? Yeah. And, and I love the way that the director, because he also wrote this script, uh, approached that topic. Yeah, agreed. Um, what research, if any, did you do for this role? The Exorcist. I watched it over and over again. <laughs> so have we. <laughs> the director had sent me several books to read uh, that talked about exorcisms and and sort of the history of it. So I, I delve into those and uh, they were insightful, scary, but very insightful. And then just uh, and then just putting my hands in the. Uh, you know, in the cast, in the director, and, and in the script, and allowing that to, to convey the story. Are you religious or spiritual at all? Did you use any of your own uh, personal beliefs to bring that into your role as a priest? I grew up Catholic, so I, I did, you know, in regards to the church and how, um, to me as a kid, they were always very creepy churches. They, you know, the, the sort of old wood, old buildings and, you know, only sunlight through, through the windows. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I did kind of tap into those memories of that. And, uh, also to, to sort of give, uh, my character a history and where did he come from? What was his background? Yeah. I, I did I did tap into my religious past to to sort of convey what I needed to through the character. Cool. Well, as happens in exorcisms, things do get a little messy in this film, quite literally. Um, without spoiling too much, uh, we're curious: Did you have fun getting covered in gore and what I'm assuming was fake blood, or was it more gross and uncomfortable? I was excited. Uh, like I said, <laughs> this was a, a film topic, you know, exorcism that I had been attached to for my whole life and, and, and wanted to, to be a part of something like that. So when the moment of performing the exorcism came up, I was excited, I know, <laughs> uh, because I knew all the elements that were going to going to take place. I, I mean, I even posted several pictures uh, from behind the scenes of that experience. So yeah, I, I was having a great time. We, we all were um, really enjoying 
it. It, it, it it's always messy and stuff because you know <laughs> but I don't know it's kind of like you get to go out and play in the mud uh, <laughs> then you got to clean it up it was great it, it was you know it, and it really like it mostly raises the questions of like these sort of uh, throwing up and being in pain and all this stuff it, especially because the script sort of walks down that path of realism you know and uh, and whether whether any of this is real or possible you you start to question you know a lot of situations where people get sick and stuff you know and and is it possession so it it raises a lot of that kind of it just walks that that fine line of is this real or is this possible and being in being in that situation on set i i did i did ponder those questions a lot I don't know if this is top secret, but there was a scene where you had to spit some very nasty looking stuff out of your mouth. <laughs> Are you allowed to say what that was? I actually don't know what it was uh, <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't make it. Um, They're just like, put this in your mouth and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. As long as it was edible. I mean, I, I don't think it, I know the elements were edible <laughs> as, as most edimate, uh, uh, elements of vomit are, were once edible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I, I trusted the crew and knew that, that they were a good team and they were going to not give me something that, and even if there was a gross factor, it works, you know, <laughs> as long as it wasn't a, a factor where I was, I myself was going to get ill. And I right. Didn't, but, uh, <laughs> But you use it, and it did have a, a real gross factor, and it was uh, not not something you'd you'd want to swallow. But <laughs> so we we did a few takes of of that scene just because I had to hit a certain mark, and I wasn't doing it. I think we did about maybe three takes of oh. that. Yeah, I know. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're a good sport. <laughs> Both of your, like, your character's home and then Joel and Mason, the father and son, um, they have these, like, old, small-town, country-esque feels to them, I felt like. Was this movie filmed on location or mostly on sets? Well, it was all, uh, and it, it seems like small-town America, and it was all shot in Los Angeles proper. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, a little bit in the outskirts of it. There was a house. My, I grew up in a craftsman house. It was early... Uh, 1900s uh, and the house that we were filming in was also a craftsman house so it was uh, very similar to my home and it was uh, my home was always very creepy because <laughs> of the the wood the brown wood and the beams and the noise that it made um, this house made the same kind of noise and you have people in every single room you know sometimes you'll have like a certain uh, DIT working on the footage in one room and you don't know that they're there but you hear all this noise because the the house just makes so much so there there were a lot of creepy moments and it was uh, I think it was abandoned uh, I can't remember specifically. I think it was a, a house that was for sale and they rented it out. And so it was old and creepy inside. <laughs> uh, along with all the sort of design, the production design, which was great. It's very spooky and this art that was kind of weird and interesting. 
because Joel, Rob's character, plays an eccentric artist who creates things with his hand, hands. And so you had a lot of these projects that he was working on throughout the house that were a bit interesting, almost, uh, you know, Beetlejuice-esque, yeah. kind of. Yeah, visually it was amazing to watch. That was actually the very next point we were going to bring up. It's like you're reading our computer screens <laughs> from Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of it. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to comment on the artwork. Actually, a lot of I can see Beetlejuice and like some Tim Burton-esque feel, but a lot of it kind of reminded me of David Lynch's actual artwork, which I don't know if you've ever oh, wow. seen any of I his didn't. artwork, but you should look it up. It's it's a lot mm-hmm. of it's very similar to what was on the set. And yeah, we want to say like that was one of our favorite elements yeah. of this movie is just that the um, the set design of Joel's house was it was very creepy and it was just very beautiful to look at. Like, I, I'm kind of into all that. Yeah. Kudos to Ryan, the production designer and uh, Roger, the art director. They did a great job. Yeah, for sure. With all all the elements, uh, definitely, it just uh, definitely was, uh, you don't know where it is. It's uh, some small town America, and uh, they did a great job in just capturing it. And it was creepy. It was all very creepy. I would not like any of that artwork in my house at all. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, the cinematographer, Jonathan Hall, was great. The film looks beautiful, and, and it's lit really nicely and so they 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 all did a really good job and being an actor you want the world that you're walking into to sort of fit the mold you know um Mm -hmm. and these guys they they did a great job at, at bringing it to life so that you didn't have to work that hard and the camera doesn't have to work that hard you know or you don't have to do any special effects because I, I believe all of that is practical. I, I, I don't think there's... Oh, wow. I, I didn't work on post, but I believe the majority of the film, I'd say almost 99% of it is all practical. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, not not much CGI, but I, I wasn't in post, so I don't really know what, what they would have done if they had any, but what I see on screen is sort of what I saw on set, even the creatures, so... Oh, Wow. It was a rarity. It was a rarity, you know, now because everything's green screen. I don't think I shot anything green screen, to be honest. I was going to say we definitely appreciate movies that use practical effects because I think CGI is just so overdone these days and it it makes the movie less believable for me. It kind of pulls me out Mm -hmm. of that real world element. We definitely appreciate that. And I noticed that in Joel's house, there was a ton of owls. Was there any sort of symbolism behind uh, the reason why there were so many owls in the house? I don't know personally, uh, except maybe something that Perry and Rob had talked about or discussed in terms of what it was for them. I just know that they were creepy as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it's all these sort of elements and stuff that that we all can get spooked by. I think that's sort of the world that he wanted to play in. You know, these sort of natural elements like birds and stuff that that can freak you out. Um, I think we also had actual birds. There's a a cage in the stairwell and we had to have some birds in there. I think I remember that. 
But it was very difficult, you know, because we have animals and we have to follow certain rules. So I, I know that was one day where everything was airtight because, you know, we had birds on set. And so we had to all be careful and, you know, close all the doors and stuff. And I think one of them got out, but they were able to bring him back. And, you know, there was the bird wrangler there and, and stuff. So, yeah, there were, like I said, I, I think... Perry really wanted to pursue a, a practical, natural element to this film and avoid CGI, including the projectile from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that was very convincing. <laughs> yeah, that was also practical. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, kudos to them, you know, and uh, you can see it. You can see in the film it, it has a, a lot of texture, I agree. a lot of realness yeah. to it. It's different. I think people expect something, and then when they watch the film, they get something else, uh, and it's something they they did not expect because this uh, genre has or this this topic has been done so much. So it was refreshing to to have this new take on on the film. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, for anybody who has not seen it, where can folks find the ascent so they can watch it? Wonderfully, nowadays it's everywhere you can. Uh, <laughs> If, if you have iTunes, you can get it there. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get it there. If you have Vudu, you can get it there. Um, so you can pretty much download it, rent it, or own it at, on any of those platforms. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And it, it was doing really well in the horror genre of iTunes. It was it's definitely in the top ten. So it was oh, nice good. to see that. Uh, and it's also wonderful to see that there's still a hardcore horror f fan out there, you know, like an entire group of people that love this. Like myself, I'm a big fan. So, and, and it's... Uh, as are we. <laughs> yeah, as, as are you. It's, it's such a difficult genre because we're such hardcore fans that we, we expect like the best or at least something really good. So any, you can't be lazy in this. And I think Perry wasn't. He, he definitely put a lot of thought and effort into this to be respectful of the, of the genre. And we got to appreciate that, you know, as well as the, all the, the producers and stuff. Nick Donnermeyer, who, who I owe so much for being the one to offer this role to me. Like I said, on the set, it was a lot of fun. And you can see the they were all doing their best to, to make this film what it was. So I'm glad you saw it and I, I, I believe you liked it. So that's a good one. We did. Yeah, I think I think people really like it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, it, like I said, it's different. I think people expect a certain type of film and they get something completely different and it, it, it and that's refreshing. And that's that's how I felt when I watched it. Agreed, actually. I think I was texting Sharon when I was watching it because I put it on and I was like, oh, my God, this is way this is not I literally I think texted her like this is not what I thought it was going to be. And it's way better than I thought it was going to be like I was impressed. It was. Yeah, I agree. Everybody go see The Ascent. Wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. It, it, and the performances are great as well. Peter, who plays Father Lambert. I mean, he's got the majority of dialogue in this film 
And every day we were working together, I was just so impressed by him just delivering all this dialogue and stuff. And uh, we became, you know, really good friends after this film because, you know, it's like we had gone through an exorcism of getting this film made and, and hearing him, you know, spew all this dialogue. And he did such a wonderful job and he's a great guy. And so a, a kind of sad thing this this film will always stay for me because unfortunately when we were filming this my father passed away oh sorry uh, to hear that very sorry to hear that yeah and, and like i said the house that we were filming in was very much like my father's house wow so during the filming of this it was a very emotional time for me and just being in that house was very emotional so I, you know, and playing a father, it's just all of it was, was a lot for me at the time. It definitely has a, a, a dear place in my heart just because of where I was and, and, and what had happened at the time. So That's amazing to hear because we, we don't really, we, we never get to hear about sort of what's going on yeah. in the actor's mind other than, you know, the character or talk about that. So I, I've always been really interested in sort of the behind the scenes of like literally that. What's your thought process? How do you get into character? And also, that's an amazing story that that's a very impactful part of your life. And, th- you know, this movie is going to be connected to that for the rest of your life. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you for, for telling us that that story. That's a really amazing uh, tidbit about, that's a terrible word for that story. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a really amazing thing to hear. Yeah, thank, thanks for saying that. I, I think there was the, the day that it had happened, Peter had a ton of dialogue. He had so much dialogue and he knew something was wrong and he was uh you know asking me because we'd gotten so close by that time and i was like i'm just getting into character (laughs) i did not i did not want to convey that information to him at the time because he was like in his trailer going over all these lines and just trying to get into character and i was trying to also stay into character and sort of poor choice of words right now bury that Mm. emotion you know um were you able to use the emotion into the character's performance at all yeah i I think so there you know again you had asked earlier about demons and possession and all this stuff and it goes into spirits and all that you know you you, and then having had my father passed away you you know and you're dealing with these topics uh, you start to wonder, is he here? Is he around? Where is he? All that all that stuff. So it definitely solidified the, the reality of, of these questions, you know, in terms of like us asking them and wondering and all that stuff. And, and you do, because when someone you love passes away, you still want to have them close, you know, unless they're trying to possess you and, and <laughs> ruin your life, then, then you don't. But, but in... in other terms, we always, you know, like, uh, we'll go back to the film with Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, Ghost, you know, and this, you know, the spirit saying, uh, the love you have, you take it with you, that kind of stuff. So it, it all starts to play once you've dealt with death. And at that time, I was on the set and I just was, you know, uh, definitely using the emotions that I was feeling because I, I had to suppress them for the sake mm. of, because I... I you know, I would have broken down inappropriately in the in the scenes. Uh, and then Peter thanked me a lot. You know, once we were done, he was like, thanks for not saying that to me. I would have, it would have affected me tremendously. Mm. And, and I knew that as well. I knew, 
you know, even though you needed someone to talk to, to say, hey, this is what I'm going through, but you couldn't, you had to just go to work and use whatever was going through to the character, except like what, what I was feeling and what the character were going through were very different. So I had to make a separation between me and the character at that time. That was one moment where I couldn't use how I was feeling. It sounds like you're very lucky to have the the director that you had on this film um, to help you through this. Do you have um, a, a favorite director that you have worked with in your career? I've been in this business a long time, and I've been fortunate to work with some tremendous directors. And no one knew about my situation until the last day of filming. And the and like I said, I, the only one that knew was Peter. And I hadn't told anyone else what I had gone through because it wasn't just, you know, the death of my father. It was also his service. And I was on set the day of his service and I had to leave, you know, because uh, I just had to leave. It it was one of those moments where I was requesting uh, to leave early or or if they could rearrange the schedule. I didn't want to come off as a sort of diva actor who was trying to change their schedule because having been a producer myself I know how difficult it is to create these schedules Mm -hmm. I was just trying to avoid telling anyone they kept pushing my scene back and then I had to tell them because I didn't want to come off as this sort of difficult actor who just needed to get off (laughs) the set at a certain time and I did tell Perry and then once uh, Perry found out he did everything he could to to make sure that I I could leave that's amazing uh, on time so he he was very kind in that aspect of of just making it work again like I I was there to to do the job uh, but life happens and you have to juggle your work life and your real life and and that was one moment where I I felt pulled by both ends because I I needed to be in two places at one time and so we made it work yeah it was and it was the last day as well it was like my last day so it was uh, it was an interesting experience and uh, I I will forever remember that moment in time and I'm glad that the film has done well and it it looks great and it's one for the record what was the first movie sorry what is the first horror movie that you ever saw that i ever saw (laughs) (laughs) i won't be able to remember the first horror film um but i know the one that resonated with me the most was the exorcist that has to be the first true horror film that I remember watching that stayed with me. Uh, uh, Alien yeah. is also a horror film, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sci-fi horror. That's a, another film that really stayed with me. I, I, The Exorcist is the one. And, and keep in mind, I've never seen The Exorcist on the big screen. Mm. I've always only seen it on old televisions, boxy televisions, and it's still captivated me you know uh where now if you see it in all its you know high definition beauty yeah it it it, it's much more impactful but even then just on the small screen it it was still it still resonated watching it at night you know like i don't know what i was doing as a kid trying to just torture myself Uh, (laughs) but yeah that's the one we did the same thing we grew up watching horror movies since god 
I think I was like six, seven, eight years old when I started watching horror movies. So yeah, you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, that one. And then I, I would say the most recent horror film I've seen is The Ascent. So that's a good book <laughs> right there. <laughs> what is your favorite horror movie? And I think I might know the answer to this one. <laughs> I think there's a lot of really great films that I, I ended up seeing later in life. Rosemary's Baby is just a good film. Nothing happens for most of the film, yet it's very compelling and very interesting. And it is a a horror film, per se. I saw it recently again because I was like, why do I like this film? And I, and I just put it on because I, I think it was on Netflix. So I was like, let me watch this. And I couldn't stop watching it. I watched it all the way through, realizing how is this film a horror film? It's not very scary, but it's extremely compelling. I think the subject matter was was very scary, you know, just a, just of sort of what happens to her and all that stuff. And uh, it's very psychological. Correct. Yeah. Extremely psychological. And the way that the, that was approached was in like getting you to care about these characters and sort of siding with her of like. It, it, and I think that's what happened recently in The Invisible Man, you know, where they uh, they get you to side with the female character in the film in terms of, like, you know, she's not crazy. This stuff is really happening to her, you know. You, everyone else is crazy and sort of you go on the voyage with the main character and it's all psychological, you know, or yeah. you think it is. We haven't seen that one yet, so no spoilers. You haven't seen Rosemary's Baby? No, no, we or... haven't seen the the Invisible Man yet, the new one. Okay. Again, the Invisible Man is, I think, categorized as a horror film. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I think but, so, yeah. Uh, horror is, you think it's supposed to be one thing, but it isn't. It's a lot of different things brought together in a, a sort of a certain world or aspect or, or perception. So that's how I see a horror film. And I think Rosemary's Baby is definitely one of those. Yeah, it's a good answer. I thought you were going to say The Exorcist again for your favorite, but you surprised us with Rosemary's Baby. But that's a good choice. That's yeah. one of my favorite horror films. So Yeah, they, they're very smart. And it's all around the same time, you know. And, yeah. and they say sci-fi and horror really is a reflection of the times you know, of what we're sort of going through. And I think that's why The Ascent sort of touches on uh, topics that are relatable to uh, our current times. If you go through history and watch all the films and in the times that they came out, it was a reflection. Uh, it sort of t- touched upon subjects that the nation was talking about, uh, but in this sort of entertaining factor or this scary factor. And horror does that. It does raise these questions that are relatable to the real world. And The Invisible Man does that a little. Uh, the Ascent does that as well. For sure. Um, and and that's, that's true cinema. That's good cinema. That really doesn't voice it out entirely in the film. It's subtly there. And it sort of brings about, uh, about that question in the back of your mind while you're enjoying this film. And I think that's really good filmmaking, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree. And um, you had mentioned sci-fi being a reflection of the times as well as horror and uh, a little callback to some actors we spoke of earlier. Can you finish this phrase for me? All of this has happened before. All of this has happened before. And it involves two actors that you've worked with that we talked about earlier. Oh, you're doing, I'm not good at trivia. Uh, <laughs> and all of it will happen again from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh, okay. All of this, yes, you know, life imitates art. and. and yeah, that show do actually did the, kind of the same thing with like, you know, reflecting the times and, and, you know, their commentary on like suicide bombers and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's interesting how that works. Yeah, history is bound to repeat itself if we don't study it, learn from it. And I feel that, that you know, it's something I don't want to get too, too heavy on this, but I, I think a lot of probably today's generation maybe, and I, I don't want to say that, but it doesn't seem like history is as important as it used to be. And I did a series uh, called Band of Brothers. I've been going to Europe for the last uh, five or six years. It's amazing to see so many people wanting to visit that moment in time, honor that moment in time, and reflect on it, and just learn from it. It's good for us, even in, in film, to sort of look back on older films and, and, and sort of reflect on, on the times of, of those films to to learn from them so that we don't repeat a lot of the mistakes that were made. I completely agree. All of this has happened before, but it doesn't have to happen again. It doesn't have to happen again. It really doesn't. But, you know, it, it's it's about history. We have to we have to implement that in today's society. We have to look back. I know that being a kid myself once uh, history was so boring but it was essential it was important and not just the history you're taught in school but history that exists in the world you know especially now since we have so much access to information uh, from today and yesterday it's important for us to just dig in even if you're just uh, interested in film and horror it's great to go back and you have you know access to all these great films like we mentioned the exorcist and rosemary's baby that really are slow burners you know everything is so quick now that yeah it's fun but it's like getting on a roller coaster ride it doesn't resonate with you for a longer period of time as these other films do because they 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 it's really about the, the human aspect of a situation and most horror always goes for the cheap kind of jump scares yeah, blood and gore, <laughs> um, but r smart horror, horror films that that have longevity are the ones that really connect you to the characters, to the human aspect of the situation, because that's really what's scary, is putting yourself in a situation that can be horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't have kids, and I don't know if any of you do, but... The Ascent, you know, it's it's about a father, a father struggling to take care of his child, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I can only 
you know, guess what that would be like, because uh, I'm not a father, but I have uh, nieces and nephews, and I love them dearly, and I know that if something were to happen to them, I would be concerned. So I can only imagine what a father or a mother goes through in, in terms of their, their children. So having them not feel well is, you know, can be detrimental to them, because it's their life. Yeah, I, I can see how it's good to, to connect that, and Rob did a great job in this film. Uh, he, he, he plays a great father. To Caden, who was, you know, who played Mason, he was a wonderful kid, such a great sport, and uh, he made us these little um, art pieces that he created with his hands. So it was, a, it was a sweet kid. So I can just imagine if, you know, if the kid wasn't feeling well, it's kind of sad, you know, in the film, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he he was a good sport, and I think he was having a, a lot of fun on set. But yeah, kids are they're so innocent, you know, and you want to protect them, and so and that's one of the major goals of Rob's character in, in this is to protect his son. Yeah, we none of us have kids, but I I think everyone can kind of put themselves in a position to you know everyone cares about someone in their life, whether it's a niece, a nephew, a parent, uh, a pet. You know, you know what it's like to to love and care for someone and worry about them. And the the only way I can associate having a child is like how you take care of every part of your body, like your hands. Right. Uh, because it's an extension of your body, your hands, your fingers. And I think that that's probably what having a kid is. It's an extension of yourself. So as as much as you would take care of yourself, you would probably take care of the kid. That's what I think. I don't have kids. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all the parents who are listening to this who I know will probably uh, <laughs> let me know exactly what, what it's like. <laughs> so do you have any other upcoming projects that you're working on now that you can talk about or that you want to mention? Well, you mentioned uh, Amanda Goodyear and myself are on this romantic comedy. I'm sure a lot of people are going to stop listening now that I've said those two <laughs> words. <laughs> They're like, uh, no, this is horror. Don't talk about any other genre. Uh, but love can be a horror. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> it's called Love on the Rise, I play. Hank and sort of the the best bud to um, Brad Benedict, who is the the main character uh, um, who falls for Katrina Norman, who plays the the cake fairy, <laughs> and Amanda plays Lacey, who is a woman that I was in love with in character and off character. She's just so wonderful. <laughs> she's, she's we had such a good time. We had such a good time, and she was, she was a great sport, and uh, which is interesting, you know, because we liked each other offset, like we were having such a good time, but uh, in character, she, she's just uh, evil. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I watched, I watched this movie She's evil well. in this film, so you want to see true horror? Watch Amanda Goodyear in Love on the Rise. She's <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah, I've been very lucky, you know, I've been very blessed. In December, I had a Christmas film called Christmas Break-In that came out. And then uh, in January, it was The Ascent. And then in February, it was Love on the Rise. So it's like, and January is a great month for horror. 
And then Love on the Rise, obviously, February is a great month for a rom-com. So <laughs> that was Aaron. And then in, uh, I think, either next month, this month or next month, I have a film called Holly Weird, which is a Hollywood tale of uh, the weirdness that goes on in Hollywood and how difficult it is to sort of succeed in this town. Yeah, those are those are the the, the films that you can catch me on and... Uh, uh, like you mentioned, Star Maps is also available on Amazon. You can watch that. So that's a horror in itself <laughs> about the horrors of Hollywood. Oh my God, your father in that movie, that was that was hard to watch, man. Evil. So evil. The evil, whole family. But... <laughs> I was like, how did your character end up being so... Um, you were you were like you and your sister were like the only normal, semi, semi-normal ones well, in that family. I mean... Am I normal? You know, <laughs> I, honestly, you, you know, as normal as like, one can be, considering your situation, you at least had empathy. You you know, you were not your. Bro- I don't even know what was going on with your brother in that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's a very rich film. The characters are so eccentric and rich and full of life. And again, this film was way ahead of its of its time thanks to Miguel Arteta who wrote and directed this this film it was just ahead of its time meaning that the audience did not have a stomach for this kind of story especially with primarily a Latino cast which was rare in the 90s you know because uh, there were but in in this sort of realm in this sort of topic that was very edgy it people can stomach it now so yeah I, I remember being uh, again the, the horrors of film I was at the cinema buying a ticket and there was a woman who recognized me. She's like, wow, you look so familiar. And she was looking at me. And then when she finally realized who I was, her face dropped. Oh, oh my God. Like she, she was, and then she said this film, she's like, star maps. Like it, it hit her really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, I think that the audience of today can stomach this film, but back in the 90s, it was, it was definitely a, a difficult subject because my father is evil in this film <laughs> the same way that uh, Amanda Goodyear is evil in Love on the Rise she's just she's gonna love to hear know. this yeah. <laughs> we love you Amanda and so yeah please people if you if you're looking for content because you know we're required to stay at home nowadays you can't go anywhere <laughs> because you know there's an Evil lurking in, in, in the world, invading our bodies and taking <laughs> us down. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you're going to need to stay at home and watch some stuff. So I right. highly recommend you check out The Ascent, Love on the Rise, and Star Maps. Why not? Go back in time and, and see what it was like in the 90s. It's great to see <laughs> Hollywood in the 90s in this film because it has changed so much. You know, because this was shot in 95. It's 25 years ago. Los Angeles was very different. The world was very different in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Very, very different. And uh, another thing I think that that we did in The Ascent is I don't think there's any technology in the film, if I, I remember correctly. I think you're right. I don't remember any cell phones, television sets, or it, it kind of makes, yeah. makes it timeless that way. Yeah. Which which Correct. I also appreciate. I Because I like the aesthetic of uh 70s uh early 80s horror f- 
films, even you know mm-hmm. the sixties. Um, those those are my my favorite, and a lot of the movies like um, The Conjuring or some of Rob Zombie's horror movies, they're able to to capture that feel of the like the sixties seventies horror movies, and I I agree. I think um, The Ascent does that well. I think one of the elements of that that works is that you're kind of isolated, you know, and the phone connects you to the world. Uh, so, that, and, and we see this in modern day horrors. They always have to do things to kill the phone to make you feel isolated. You know, it's like, oh, there's no service here. Like that always has to be a line in modern day horrors. Uh, because we know that there was a meme that was like going around about Home Alone <laughs> if it was shot today. Like the guy would, kid would just pick up the phone and like text his mom, hey, you left me, come back, you know? But what, what it does is when you take away technology from the human element, uh, you have nothing but yourself, you know? And that's what makes it scary, er, I believe. Unless the film deals with technology like the Terminator, Mm -hmm. you know, but other than that, where it does. And I think that's why those films that you mentioned are so creepy is because, you know, we're talking about total isolation, you know, so that 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 kind of still gets me those those types of films. It, It makes the horror so much heavier, I think, when you get rid of technology in that aspect in those situations. Yeah, um, I agree. Because otherwise you could just pick up the phone and Google your answers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How do I get out of this situation? You know, and then there's like a whole list of what to do if you're in a horror film, you know? <laughs> How to perform so. an exorcism at home. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Speaking of technology, if people want to follow you, do you have any online presence like on social media or anywhere that people can go to find what you're, what you're up to? I do. I do. I am, uh, you know, on the website where all the grandparents are, Facebook. Uh, (laughs) What the kids say, that's uh, our grandparents' website, Facebook. (laughs) Even though Facebook owns everything, even the the, uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. So, Mm -hmm. yes, your grandparents, you're living under their home. Don't forget that, kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. We're all living under Facebook's house. So I'm on Facebook, Douglas Spain, Instagram, at Douglas Spain, Twitter as well, which is not a Facebook home. It's its own entity. I think, uh, you know, technology is, is a horror in itself. I think the intentions are always good, you know, and I think evil just seeps in, like it, it starts to possess. Uh, Facebook is definitely a place, I, I do remember it. It's almost like this pastime. I remember how fun Facebook used to be. Uh, and Instagram as well. I, it's, Instagram is still that way. I think that's why it's very successful because it's lighthearted, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you could start to see the sort of toxic negativity creeping in to Instagram as well. And Twitter is like a, a, an MMA ring. You know, that's like, that's where everybody goes into the cage and like fights it out. So there, there is that. I do, I do remember uh, Facebook being lighthearted and now it's a horror yeah. <laughs> itself. But yeah, I'm on there and I, 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 I try and keep everything lighthearted myself. You know, I, I think 
the, there's there's just too much going on and uh, it, 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 those those conversations are better kept at the dinner table I think not on social media you know mm-hmm. the heavier conversations so I try to keep it lighthearted in that public forum yeah look me up and well, uh, we'll look you up and I can't wait to to share this uh, conversation with all three of you uh, thank you for uh, being, you know, advocates for the horror genre, it's 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 great to to know there's still people out there because I'm, I'm a big fan of horror, to yeah. this day. I think I always will be. Absolutely, always. there there is definitely a huge huge following out there for people who yeah. are just all about horror and the horror genre, and yeah, hopefully, we can get a lot of exposure for the ascent. Uh, and your other films and we just want to thank you so much for talking to us and taking the time out of your day it was great (laughs) yes thank you so much and if we're ever in LA (laughs) maybe we'll go see a horror movie together yeah (laughs) yeah sounds sounds fantastic please Uh, thank you so much where are you by the way (laughs) we're in Chicago Oh, nice but um yeah actually Spencer and I we have um a bunch of friends in LA and we have some friends in like the film world too so we go out to LA maybe like once a year or every other year so yeah we love LA great thank you I'm glad you do I was in Chicago just last year I think uh for Band of Brothers I was there we had an event there oh, cool. oh wow Chicago is one of the cleanest cities I've ever been to so clean I think I wish we had wind like that to clean up <laughs> the smog in LA. I, I, just, I couldn't believe how clean Chicago was. For like, a the streets big are just city, yeah, we're spotless. Yes, for a big city, it's so clean, and you you, you live in a good place. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some dirty Ex- parts. <laughs> there's some dirty parts, I'm sure, e- everywhere. We, you know, but well, I I had a wonderful time. It was great to to talk horror with you all and. Uh, and share my experience uh, in, in that genre with, with all of you. So thank you so much for welcoming me. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, take care and thank enjoy you. the rest of your day. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, you too. You, you too. Have a great day and, uh, uh, you know, have a great weekend. And don't let that, that evil horror <laughs> penetrate you. Take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a germaphobe, so I, I'm constantly washing my hands. <laughs> Good. E- even more so Good. now. Good. That's a movie there. Right That's there. That's a movie. Yep. All right. Have a great day. All right. So that concludes our interview with Douglas Spain. That was great. We, Th- we learned a lot. <laughs> Thank you again, Douglas, for taking the time and talking. That was awesome. Yeah. Hope you and- guys enjoyed it as much as we did. And yeah, make sure you go and check out The Ascent. Uh, you can get that on Amazon and iTunes and Vudu and Hulu and Huba and Scuba. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many places now where you can. It's streaming. Please go watch it. <laughs> and definitely check out Star Maps. Yeah, I, I highly recommend that movie. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's horror of a different kind, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. There's yeah. some lighthearted moments. But I, honestly, I think to, to me, it's still kind of... Uh, there were some shocking moments and really good film he can act (laughs) yeah yeah he's a great actor also we just want to say thank you all for listening to us we did record our interview with douglas 
about two weeks ago, actually exactly two weeks ago, and a lot has changed (laughs) in those last two weeks. So we just wanted to say that we hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy and practice kindness to each other because now more than ever, people just need to be kind to each other. And you never know what someone else is going through. People are going through a lot of hard times now. So a little kindness goes a long way. I think that's going to do it for today. And as always, thanks thanks for for getting getting creepy with us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.